Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. We're in the middle of a series on invitation and the power of invitation. This is the third week now. We'll have one more next week, uh, and then that will be a close. But just think it's really important when it comes to invitation. But before we go into that, just want to uh, highlight we have our Christmas Compassion collection this week and next week. Uh, and so we just love being able, we're inviting you to get on board with our outreach at Christmas time, just to do something. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Can you get an amen? And so we're going to do something locally and also going to support a charity internationally. We believe that's what we're called to biblically, uh, to locally, nationally, and to the ends of the earth. And so excited to be a part of that, uh, and I hope you'll join us in that. Caitlin, there'll be a bit more information on that later. Uh, and also, you've seen a little video there of a um, bit of a party on Friday night. Uh, the youth team, Stephen, and, and a whole ton of people showed up for a lot of fun, and it was an absolute laugh, and uh, just love what's going on in our Next Generation Ministries, and the youth just done a phenomenal job putting that on. They even cleaned the place up well too. So I said, Stephen, thanks so much, man. I was nervous at one point. Um, and yeah, we had a blast. I think Richard pulled his hamstring as a result. I was playing, I'm trying to get fit again. I, I definitely done something to my ankle, jumping off the stage. There was all sorts going on. You don't want to miss the next one. Um, but just excited about that. So good to have families here, people who come to church, people who don't, and just be in the same mixing pot and just good fun. Who knows it's good to be in a church that can have a bit of fun? Yeah, that's, I don't want to go to any other church. If we're not having fun, I'm done. I'm out. Um, but, but the joy of the Lord is definitely our strength. And so thanks, Stephen. Put a pronounce together, Stephen, and the team. <laughs> He heard his name from afar there. He's like, I better check in on what they're saying here. <laughs> um, so last week we talked about rebelling. Some of you liked that. Some of you didn't. Uh, a few of us put our hands up saying we are the, um, the rule breakers. And then there's some people who are the rule keepers. But the, the rebellion wasn't to rebel against God's way. It was to re- rebel towards God's way against sometimes the cultural ways that we face and the cultural current and, and, and the, the reasoning and the science and all these things that, that sometimes we can be driven by and then God gets sidetracked and we forget about where we came from and where we're going. And so we, we invite people to rebel against cultural norms, uh, rebel against the power of sin. Come on, who knows that's a good one to rebel against. Uh, rebel against our own ways and submit to God's way. Uh, and we also learned that when we're full you do all kinds of crazy things. Maybe some people in here and you were full last night the wrong way. And we're calling you to rebel against that way to get full of a different spirit that causes you not to do crazy, silly, stupid things, but crazy good things. We spoke about a few people that are now missionaries. They moved their family across the world. Why? Because they were filled. People who sacrificed exponentially their lives, laid down their life for the cause of Christ, why? Because they were full of the Spirit of God. 
people who are able to speak up in situations which the culture would try to tame, shut down, but because they were full, they'd done it anyhow. And I think as a church, we're not called to step back and be quiet. We're not called to be mean either, but we are called to be bold in a, in a loving, kind way where, where we know what we believe, we know who we are and whose we are, we know we were bought at a price. And so we're filled with love and we want to share that love and truth with people. Why? To get them free to get them into God's family and to get them freed up for purpose and for life. Can I get an amen? And so the good news about um, God is that God is a life giver. God is a life giver, not, not a life taker, a life giver. When, when anyone's life is taken, even like a martyr in the faith, it's not taken forever. <laughs> it's a seed in the ground which then explodes with life. And so anything that God wants to apply to our lives, as we see in the Scriptures, it's never to diminish, it's always to flourish. The Bible actually says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, but only if you're planted. And so we've got to figure out what does planted actually look like? Because sometimes we can have these ideas of planted, ideas of growth, and they're not God's ideas. They're our ideas that we've made up because they suit our life. Ooh. And I was just thinking about, you know, as I look at generations and I look at kids and I look at grandfathers and grandparents and grandmothers, and you look at all the generations, I was kind of thinking the other day, I was like, you know, life is short and, and who do I want to be remembered as? And what, what do I, not just what I want to be remembered as or of, or what impact am I leaving on the earth? for those to come. Because we can see that God's blessing goes from generation to generation, but Satan's curse also goes from generation to generation. And it's really all to do with what we do now, here and now. And that passes itself on. If we're honest, a lot of us have things in our life right now that we inherited. There's a lot of blessings in a lot of our lives that we've inherited. And there's a lot of curses that we've inherited too. Things which aren't working. Whether that's family, finances, resource, relationships, wounds. The, the good things are often inherited and so are the bad things. And so we, we've got a decision to make. I, I was actually watching, I think it was a program on Netflix. Um, who would have known? I've been through the whole thing. I'm searching for all sorts now. And I got into some like wildlife program. That's when you know it's really, we're down to bare bones here. Um, and it was talking about uh, bushfires in Australia. And how at one point in, the, in, in Australia, at this certain location, there used to be tons of wildlife, koala bears, kangaroos, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and within one night, there was a bushfire. And it spread over a, a, a miles of landmass. And within one night, it was all gone. It was burnt. To, it was literally black. It was burnt to a cinder. There was complete death. There was no life. And I don't know about you. I, I was kind of thinking sometimes in our life, if you've lived long enough, you've experienced that in your family, in relationships, just in life on earth. All of a sudden, bang. 
things just fell apart. It's as if, oh my word, I've never been here before. I've nothing. And I want to encourage some people in here that that is an incredible opportunity for you to learn how to build. That's an incredible opportunity for you to learn how life comes in the first place because some things that we get in life are given. And it's not until they're taken away that you actually learn how they come about. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in that situation, you've been in that situation, and you're still in that, that rebuild process, take heart, because that's an opportunity for you to truly understand how to sow, how to build, how to find life. Because sometimes when it's just given, you didn't learn anything, you were just given it. If you acquired something, this is the problem they talk about. What is it? I always remember this. Is it, it's the, the, the grandfather starts the business, the, the father maintains it, and the son destroys it. Yeah? Some of you are thinking about a son right now. I can't believe he's done that. <laughs> I built that thing and he destroyed it. It's, it's a, why? Because the son didn't understand what built that resource. What, he, d- he didn't have the lesson of what it took to build it, so therefore he maybe cut some corners, and in the end it fell and imploded. Because there's some lessons in life we can't learn until there's nothing. Amen? So I want to talk to you today about um, an invitation to sow, to build, to bring life. And this is God's way. And I've actually, you've heard this scripture before, probably, but I kind of seen it in a different light. And I really feel it's like a rema word. It's not just a, 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 I'm not just reading out the scripture. I feel like it's a now word for some people, for our church. If we get this principle, there's incredible days ahead. And if we don't, there's not. We'll just mundane. We'll just float with the cultural current of whatever's happening. And so today's message is called, is called When Intentions Are Not Enough. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you that you haven't just called us to just good intentions. You've literally called us to sow, to invest, and to lay down our life for the cause of Christ to build your church with a fear of God and a love for people. And so, God, I just pray today, God, that we wouldn't just have a vision of of good, good intentions or good ideas, but, God, we would get a plan and we would make it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. When intentions are not enough. I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians. This is just from my daily devotion. Thank you. Um, This is just from my daily devotions. In 2 Corinthians 9, reading through this, and I've read through this multiple times, just it hit a little bit different this time. And and in verse 2, it says this, for I know, this is, I'll tell you the scenario. I'm not going to talk about money today, really, but, but it's about sowing in general. But this is talking about Generosity. It's talking about making a way for other, other churches. And, and Paul's been talking to the Corinthian church, and they've promised generosity. They've had good intentions for, for generosity to help another church, another location, because they're wealthy. They, they've got resource. 
they've got more than they need. And so Paul's really encouraged them, say, hey, you've promised this, remember? Remember you said that? Follow through. Don't just talk the talk, actually walk it out. And that, that kind of caught my attention. And this is where he starts off saying, he says, for I know your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. So he's saying, I love your eagerness. I love that your intentions are good. I love that you're raising your hands in worship. I love that you're attending the groups. I love that you're, you talk about it a lot. I love that you're enthusiastic in your speech. I love all that. Let's just make sure we're getting it done. See, you have great intentions to sow. I would say most people in here, what, what, what is an intention to sow? It's a, it's a vision. Like, what do you think about when you think about your family? I would like to think that you have a dream for your family, for your friendship circle, for your work. I'd love to think that you have a dream, but I, and I hope it's a God dream, a dream that, that you want to love on people. You want to love them the way Christ loved the church. You want to sacrifice. You want to help. You want to invite them into the kingdom of God. And so I, I would say most people in here have good intention. They, they see heaven on earth, a, a version of it at least, in their mind. And there's intention there. For your family, for your friends. You, you maybe know some people here just going the wrong way. And you see, oh, I, got, I can just see if they could turn their life around, they'd be so fulfilled. We were just singing about the presence of God and about fear. And what holds us back is often fear. But when we get into God's presence, fear doesn't stand a chance. And honestly, that's my testimony when I get into God's presence. You know, the problem is getting into God's presence. <laughs> I feel it. I sense it. I, I, I read it. And it comes to life when I'm in God's presence. I actually start to believe again. I can do certain things that I, I maybe was lethargic around or just had good intentions around. But when I get into God's presence, power starts to fill up. I start to think about practical ways of how to actually do it. Fear doesn't stand a chance. He's, he's speaking into this. See, things in life, it takes time. It's never quick. It's a process of building and developing. I think one of the hardest things for me is the patience. Is when we want to sow, like I, I'll go back to the garden. It's good to go back to the garden, isn't it? Whether it's the Garden of Eden or it's your front garden, it's good to go back. You know, when I break it down, the process of sowing, it wasn't just good intention. But, but it started with a good intention. It started with, oh, I, 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 want a, I want a garden that looks like Wembley. I won't stop until it's there, even if it's artificial. I won't stop until we get it to a certain level. Why? Because I got a vision and I was committed to it. And then as soon as I got a vision, I got committed to it, I started to make a plan. And the plan looked like, right, I need to prepare the soil. The soil needs to be thin enough and airy enough that germination process. So I had to understand the process. I had to understand how a seed gets germinated. I had to understand that the type of soil that it needs. It doesn't need clumpy, uh, clay type soil. It needs... It needs fluffy, airy type soil. And when I have that and it's on the surface, then the seed has a good chance. Now, here's the problem. I had to make a few mistakes before I got it right. 
I actually had to take out eight. I planted a laurel hedge. Come on, Peter. My supplier, food supplier for my plants is down there. He can testify I didn't give up. I came to get the fertilizer, the food for it to grow. Why? Because it hadn't worked out. I was like, I need, this, these, these plants need some help. And so I had to prepare the soil. I actually planted plants and I planted uh, uh, seeds. And along the process, it didn't work out. So what, I didn't give up. I was committed to the vision. And so I had to actually rip some of the old plants out, which had been destroyed. There was not a leaf on them. Just stick, dead. I was just believing they would come back and it didn't work. See, sometimes you're believing for stuff. Sometimes you're believing for breakthrough. It's not working. Maybe there's something wrong with what you're believing. Maybe there's something wrong with the process. Maybe it's not God doesn't like you or has neglected you or stopped loving you. Maybe it's just the process is broken. Maybe there's, and so in my process and in, in my problem, I had to dig up the roots. Oh, that's good. I had to actually dig the roots up. I had to pull the plants out from the ground. Some of you need to pull the plant out from the ground, have a deep, sit, go to a counselor, Christian counselor, have a deep conversation, get the roots out, what's going on? And you might find some emotions coming to the surface. What I found was a bunch of water. It was like a pool. And for some of you know, that the one thing that laurel hedges don't do well in is a pool. <laughs> they can survive in all kinds of conditions, I'm told, but a pool is not one of them. And so what I had to do is I had to dig up. It was frustrating. I couldn't believe I had to do it. We wasted, wasted money. My wife reminded me of that. <laughs> and as I, I'll pay for the new ones. Don't worry, I'm committed. I want the vision to come to pass. I'm going to sow again. And I went and got new plants. And I, I, the vision said the same. The process changed. So what I had to then do, because there was a problem with drainage, I was then advised through community, through going to people who had been there before me, who had knowledge that I didn't have, who had made mistakes I didn't make, because I don't want to make more mistakes. Is anyone with me? I don't like making mistakes. I don't like waiting. And if I don't ask for help, I'm going to have to wait longer. I might just give up on the vision. I don't want to give up on the vision. I went back, and what I was told to do is you need to build it up. So you need to put the roots in higher so that, so that the bottom of the root system isn't rotting and getting near the puddles of water. So if you, if you plant uh, the laurel hedge higher, it's less likely to rot and has a better chance of survival. And so that's what I've done, and they're alive, and they're green. And I've even got feet on them. But I had to be committed to the vision even when obstacles came, even when it was inconvenient, even when I got it wrong, even when it didn't work, I didn't give up, and you don't have to either. But you might have to pull the roots you might have to replace the plant. You might have to sow again. You might have to be more consistent. Honestly, you know what I done? I watered it too much. That was really the problem. It wasn't the rainfall, it was me. I was like afraid they were drying out. Some of you are maybe watering the plant in your relationships too much. Give people some space. Don't try to control everyone. Don't try to be, you might have to get some honest feedback from some friends. You're being a wee bit too pushy there, brother. I don't respond after 12 p.m., mate. 
you're on WhatsApp online all the time. Relax for a second. And here's the problem. When you relax, you might feel vulnerable. Because if I'm honest, the reason I was watering, I was vulnerable. <gasps> I want these heads need to be up in two years. I, I, set the, I set the plan. God, you better grow these things in two years to five foot. So those wee boys run past my house can't see in. It's nothing to hide, by the way, but it's just I don't want them to see in. <laughs> Sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and I want to get a, you know, a drink of juice. I'm not going to dress up for it. <laughs> Anyhow, I need the plants to work. I'm committed to the process. Get that out of your mind. <laughs> and so I had to sow again. And I had to learn again. I had to be vulnerable again, and I had to be patient again. Only this time, you know what I had to do with, with watering? Nothing. Nothing. The, my instructions were stop watering the plants. That, what am I going to do with my time? I was nearly addicted to watering. I felt like I was making things grow quicker. I felt like, like I was making it happen better when in fact the reality was I made it worse. Some of us in here, we have good intentions. We're trying to build our life. We're trying to, to create life. We're trying to sow life. We're doing it the wrong way and we're killing life. And then what happens is we get frustrated, we give up on the church, we give up on relationships, we give up on groups, we give up on everything. Why? Because it's actually us. It's actually me. Whereas if we can keep a humble heart, an open heart, ask for some help, ask for some advice, take wisdom from multiple counsel, and then, honestly, a lot of it's probably going to end up, be patient. God knows what he's doing. God knows how relationships are. Listen, I've been in a situation where the whole slate was wiped clean. There was a forest fire in my life. Friendships, relationships, church disappeared in a night, just like that forest fire. But it taught me, to, it taught me how to build God's way. And I promise you now, I'm, I'm actually, about three, four years on now, I'm actually feeling really good. And the one thing that I learned from that process, and that, that was not a plant, that was a relationship, was slow and steady. Keep showing up. Let God's presence be your priority. Stay in line, in step with Him, and slowly but surely, God will rebuild the house. He'll rebuild your house, your life, and it's not worse now, it's better. Can I get an amen? amen? But it took time. With church, in regards to church, I came here so many weeks feeling vulnerable, wanting to push it, wanting to make it happen quicker, wanting to grow things, wanting to artificially just plaster it with fertilizer, probably to the point of death. It doesn't work. Because this is the beauty about God's grace and His truth is that God, God, God brings life while also keeping you and me healthy. He brings life while, while also 
us not, in, not having to try and make it all work for ourselves. It's a conversation at a time. It's a seed at a time. And it's a process. And it's slow and it's steady. And that's what I, what I had to start to realize was I had maybe learned some things as I was, I was talking to some friends in the same ministry backgrounds as me. And they're, they're, they're saying right now, they had to unlearn some things. Why? Because they were in a culture, a ministry culture, which was get the watering can out every day, try and make it happen, try and force it, try and create artificial growth. And it actually, didn't, it actually grew less quick. It actually disintegrated over time. And so I don't know about you, but I want to, be a, I want to have real, authentic relationships. I want to, want to give God my whole life and trust Him and look at His goodness and say, whoa, God, you're faithful. Well, doing things your way is slow, it's steady, but it's fruitful. And you see, as disciples of Christ, you know what we're called to do? We're called to bear fruit. Not by works. Now, it's going to take some work. But we're not, we're not trying to gain God's approval by our works. We're, we're saved not by works, but for works. So listen, ministry, building a God-first life, culture in our family, at home, in, you know, wherever you are, that you come in and you're, you're not a person that just submits to the culture, you change the culture, that, that's the whole purpose of the church, is one that happens when you're full, when you're satisfied with God's presence and with people and just conversation, not trying to attain but, but you also understand it's going to take some work. And how do you do the work? Because you've got a vision. You see God's best for your life. You see what's possible as you read the Scriptures and you say, God, I'm committed. I'm committed even when it's not happening in my time. I'm committed when it's, I make mistakes, I'm still committed. I'm committed to get back up. You see, the Bible actually says that a righteous person falls seven times and gets up every time. The number seven is the number for completion. That means when you see the vision, you never give up until it's come to pass. No matter if it takes years, if it takes decades. Listen, God's time is definitely not our time. And the beauty about that is when you surrender, you can relax. <laughs> Look at who's in front of you in the eye. Don't bypass them. The culture I came from, it was like, so quick, 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 move, 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 move. And we miss the person right in front of us. And people then become a project. People are not a project. People are people. And people are our priority. Can I get an amen? There's a few people getting excited. Right, I better get on with the message. That's the intro. Was that intro okay? No, verse 4 says, For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared... We, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. What was wrong? What was he afraid of? If they don't prepare, it won't happen. If you don't prepare, it won't happen. We need a plan. Don't just have good intentions, make a plan of action. We were, me and Anna were on a Zoom call uh, of a financial advisor from a Christian perspective, which we might introduce to the church. For some people, listen, there's a lot of people in here who want to be generous. They can't be because you're broke. And you've committed to too many direct debits and you've committed to too many uh, cards. And so this guy, what he does is he gives you financial education. He doesn't tell you what to do. 
He gives you education. And it's incredible. I actually researched this. 55% of the world's wealth is in the hands of Christians. You can't tell me we couldn't eradicate poverty. Anyhow, the whole point he was trying to make to us is this. People's intentions are not the problem. Their education is. They don't understand how money works. And so therefore, it's causing all kinds of stress. It's breaking up marriages. It's causing all kinds of issues. And so, education. Let me show you how it works so you're not throwing it away. One of the things he would say, I hope this doesn't hurt anyone, is that one of the worst investments you can ever have is, is to buy a car that you cannot, cannot afford. Because it's the worst investment you can ever make in the world today. He, he would always say, buy a car with the money that you have, if you can buy it cash. If you want to be a good investor. And take some of that pressure off. Anyhow, that's a side note. So, why are we talking about this? We're going to have Compassion UK coming in the new year. That's, we're going to sponsor children as a church. That's going to be incredible. We're going to get a chance to literally sponsor a child, know their name, communicate with them. You can even go out to visit them if you want. Uh, and the guy, David, is coming to speak here. And there may be a few other opportunities like that as well uh, in the new year. So I'm excited about that. We want to, I'm excited to be able to do that as a church and see what God does through that. And uh, it's going to be brilliant. Right, move on. Verses 6. Here's the key verse. It says, remember this, whoever sows spurning will also reap spurning. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Watch, this is really important. There's supernatural element in this. The same way when you put a seed in the ground, it's supernatural. How does that even work? It's supernatural. Same way when someone gets pregnant, there's a seed. Like it's, it's, we know the process. We don't know. It's miraculous. I think it's really important that we don't ignore the miraculous in this picture. So he's talking about financial provision. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, but that's with the framework of understanding if you sow more seeds, there's more harvest. It's not under compulsion. So he's saying, listen, go at your own pace. But I'm telling you, what you sow is also what you reap. But I'm not forcing you into a corner I'm not making this into a law or a religious weird thing. I'm just saying, listen, go at your own pace. There's no pressure. For God loves to cheer. For go with where you're at. He's not trying to break the bank. He's not trying to steal the food from your table. He's just saying, let's get on a process. But listen, there's something supernatural in this. And God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly. That's incredible. It's easy to skip over that. What if you believe that? What if you actually believe that? So that in all things, everyone say all. All things at all times, having all that you need will abound in every good work. So he's saying God wants to bless you. Why? For good works. To bless others. To provide for others. To deal with poverty in the world. To bless children who can't bless themselves. In the, this is incredible. As it is written, the harvest of your righteousness have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, who? Who, play, who supplies seed 
to the sower? Who supplies breath to your lungs? Whose is the earth and all of it in it? The Lord's. So, so if God has put something in your hand, give you capacity, give you ability, give you gifts, then, then whose are those gifts? Who granted those gifts? The Lord. Now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seeds. That's a promise. That's hard to ignore. He's saying there's going to be financial provision, more seed. Why? To help more people. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. What is that? That's not talking about finances. That's talking about ministry. That's talking about helping people come to faith. That's talking about salvation. That's talking about bringing people into the ministry of reconciling them before God and people. Can I get an amen? You will be enriched in every way. Enriched in every way. Not just some ways. Every way. This is New Testament now. This is not Old Testament. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Everyone say every occasion. Okay, and I say it like you mean it. Every occasion. There we go. Everywhere, every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now listen, I think these principles don't just apply to this situation with finances. It applies to our whole life. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 92 that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will what? Anyone know? The Bible, please, someone? Will flourish. There's life in it. So there's something about this principle of sowing. Number one. What I I see here, there's an invitation to sow your time. Because it talks about the sowing of seed to reap righteousness, to see righteousness unfold in people's lives. See, if we sow in daily devotion, we will reap in daily encouragement. If we sow into the health of our family, we will reap the richness of generations of a healthy family. If we sow into the gospel, we'll we'll reap a harvest of purpose and heavenly reward. If we sow into outreach, we will reap a harvest of salvation. But if we don't sow, there's there's no harvest. But listen, it's not, we gotta be careful. When we talk about sowing, we talk about the whole process of sowing, we talk, talk about preparation, we talk about envisioning, we talk about the mistakes in between of trying to figure, right, that didn't work, that method didn't work, let's bring it back. You're trying to figure some things out relationally. It, sometimes it's a conversation back and forward. Uh, you, don't, you don't see my heart in that? No, what, what do you mean? It's, it's, it's a process. Sometimes we're over the top and, and we're watering it too much and so it's not working because we're too intense and we need to take a step back and relax. And so when we're sowing our time into relationship, we got to make sure it's, it's not just any time, it's our best time. You see, if you sow quality time, you get quality mem- memories. Whereas imagine you're in the room here, say you came into church today and everyone's just buzzing about and doing their stuff and there's no quality because no one's actually sitting down just to say, how's it going? How are you today? 
How was your week? If it's just, hey, go get a seat. There's no, there's time, but it's not quality. And therefore, what happens is you come in here, people don't really care about me. And listen, we're in process. You might experience that sometimes. Sometimes you might, but we're creating a culture of quality time. And that's why we have groups so you can get together in quality time. And if you have quality time, that's where we get all kinds of quality healing in our soul. Quality, not just surface deep. We pull things out by the root. And listen, you might go to a group, oh, that, that, that didn't work for me. That's okay. That's normal. The same way I had to go back to the garden, that's not working. Sometimes it's me, I'm watering too much, I'm, I, I'm in the group and I, I'm the problem. And sometimes the groups maybe need a bit more structure, or the, the topics are off or something. Stand too late, can't get out. Ever been there? No, is this going to end? I'll not be back next week. It ended at 12.30. I'm up at 6. And so, so, so sometimes we have, it can be both, but we're on a journey. We're committed to the vision. We're committed to being planted. We're going to keep showing up even though it's imperfect. We're in process. We're going to be patient. We're going to wait. We're going to allow that person to change in our life. We're not going to just give up on them because they didn't change in our time. We're going to let God to work on them. We're going to encourage them. We're going to even challenge a little bit if you're in good relationship. I remember someone taught me this um, we've got to be careful who we're challenging in a Christian community. Why? Because if there's no relationship, you're giving them the law. You're giving them judgment. Are you with me? But if, you, if someone knows your heart and someone trusts you, then you're, you're in a better position to challenge because they're not going to perceive that as, oh, they just tell me what to do. You're going to perceive it, hopefully, as, right, they're for me. There might be something in this. I know they love me, da-da-da. And so relationships at the core of everything we do. Secondly, an invitation to sow your treasure. Well, we kind of went through that. I was kind of thinking about that because that's, that's, that's a sensitive one. Treasure is what you have, which is valuable, that can help you, but also can help others. And I was thinking about this, you know, a lot of people have, have babies in here, or you've had children, or you've, you know people with children, and you've maybe noticed the change when, uh, when especially when the men, when the men have a child, you know, when, sorry, the ladies have a child, but when they have a son or a daughter, and you just see the men all soften up, and they just become like, they're different. They completely shift, their attitude shifts, their, their mindset shifts. It's nearly like it gets to the point of just complete adoration, complete surrender to the idea that this is my son or my daughter, and I'll give my life for this, this, this child, no matter what. Why? Because once you get their heart, you get it all. That child's in a river, they're going in. Doesn't matter the price, doesn't matter the emotional time or the cost. When they're thinking straight, when their heart is right, when they're not bogged down with the cares of this world, they'll do anything to bring success to that child. Why? Because when you get their heart, you get it all. Parents, can to get amen? See, that's really when it comes to treasure and it comes to time, that's what it's about. When God gets your heart, 
He's got it all. You'll do whatever it takes to help, to reach, to serve, to use your gifts. When he gets your heart, how does he get your heart? When you spend quality time. You make quality memories. When the Spirit of God, like in prayer this, this Wednesday, I can't wait, we're going to create some space. What? Just for the Holy Spirit, just to, to have some quality time with the Holy Spirit. And when we get that, then he gets our heart when we put God first. And then when he gets our heart, he gets it all. And now we're just open. Hey, what, what, what do you need, God? That's what the Scripture is really saying. Hey, not under compulsion, not under pressure. Just pray. Just be in relationship. When God gets your heart, He's not there to break you. He's not there to destroy you. He's not there to steal from you. He's there to build you. He's there to bring life to you. And when He gets that, nothing's impossible. Well, how do I know that? I see parents. I see family members who are committed to their child. They'll do anything, even give their life. Can I get an amen? And lastly, an invitation to sow your ta talent. You know, that's why we do growth track. Some of you need to know you have a talent. You have, forget about labels that the world puts on us for a second and schools put on us and the systems put on us. Listen, they help. I get it to a certain extent. But really, the primary label you need to have on you is that you're a child of God and that God has given you purpose despite your weaknesses and your strengths. You have got something. It's not about how smart you are. It's what are you smart at? God has got talent in you. He, you have the specific ability to reach a certain amount of people, to sow seeds to a certain kind and type of people that other people won't. Because there's only going to be one you in this world. And that you is anointed to reach the people that God has ordained you to reach. So you don't need to look around you to your left or to your right. You don't need to compare your gifts. You need to stay in your lane. God has given you a garden to tend, to look after, and that's all you have to worry about. Can I get an amen? And you have the ability to make it work. You have the ability to sow well, to prepare well, to not give up well, to overcome well, and to see what God has put in your hand become fruit. Bible says 30, 60, and even 100 fold, we all should be bearing fruit in our life. But listen, if it's just good intention, you'll burn nothing. If there's no plan of action, you'll burn nothing. And that applies with your family, that applies with your friendship circles. Listen, we got to get out there and invite. And I'm not just talking about building your life from a ministry point of view, I'm talking about, listen, it's all intertwined. The church is a family. That's where you find friends, like-minded friends. And sometimes you'll fall out. Can we say that? It's okay. Go do the Bible and forgive them and work it out. And if they're not willing to do that, well then go find some, there's plenty of people in here. There's plenty of people, Christian people in this, in this part of the world that we live of course, you have to have boundaries and all those things. But I'm telling you, if you get that vision and you understand God's way of sowing and reaping, then get a plan. Don't just get an idea. Get a plan and start to work the plan. And so I'm just going to finish with this, a practical way. Something you can do maybe if you're in a marriage or if you're in a relationship, 
I started to envision health again. I actually realized, I actually realized recently there were some areas in my life over the years that I actually did, it was a weird thing, but I started to believe, oh, what if this happens? You know, what if this person dies? Or what if this person, um, what if I never get married? Or, or, or what, you know, what if I never get this job? Or what if this never happens? And I started to actually believe that that might happen. And, and as I started to revisit and dig up some roots, I started to realize a lot of it was actually not God. or It was actually a deep sense of shame because of some of the things I know I've done. I'm just not feeling good enough. I actually started to believe and envision. No, I don't have a vision for marriage. And I was like, why? When I, when I dug deep enough, it was because I didn't think I was, I had played my cards right enough. I'd been good enough. And, and I was holding on to the few things instead of looking at the bigger picture. And it was robbing me of vision. It was robbing me of God's best. It was robbing me. And I, I want to challenge some people in here today. There's some things that you think you're not worthy of that Christ paid for. And he paid for that shame to allow you to live the life that he couldn't live. Because he lived the life that we should have lived so we could live the life that he should have lived. He became the sin so that we could live a life free of that shame. And so I want to encourage you to start seeing, envisioning a healthy family. Seeing your kids come to faith. I want you just in faith. I want you to start to envision seeing friendship circles again and feeling that connectedness. I'm telling you, it will come to pass if you sow, if you prepare, if you plan, if you persevere, if you uproot the things which aren't working and plant the things that are. But I'm telling you, you've got to uproot that shame, those ideas that tell you you're not worthy, you're worthy because of what Christ done, because he gives life. That's just what he does. And he, we, 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 the kind of churches we partner with, they call themselves life-giving. And he, here's the thing with life-giving. And the problem with life-giving is this. There's life in things that sometimes can hurt at the beginning. Sometimes the preparation process leaves you feeling vulnerable and it hurts. It's painful. I remember sowing the seeds and, and digging up the soil for my, for, my, for my laurel plants and it was, it was pouring down with rain. I was drenched. It was painful, but I was preparing. And it was just process. And I was digging deep the roots. And it worked, but it took time. So there's life in it. And it works, but it takes time. And I want to encourage you not to give up even when it's hard, when it's slow, when you have to be patient. The Bible says through faith and patience do you inherit God's promises. There's life in it. But it takes time and it takes faith and it takes you to continue seeing the vision and not giving up on it. Maybe you're lonely and you're desiring deep connections. See deep connections. Pursue deep connections. Slowly. Gently. Softly, invite people into your life. Invite people for a coffee. Invite people. But do, do it in process. Don't try to rush it. Sometimes when we're feared, we rush it and, and we swamp people and there's too much and it pushes them away. 
we become discouraged and we give up on the vision. Listen, the vision still stands. You know, this is all biblical principles that the world has stolen, rewrapped, and called, called it like the law of attraction. You've heard that, yeah? All these principles that they, they use, but really, they're all biblical. Just rewrapped. For people to come, it doesn't matter how many times we envision, if we don't work the soil, if we don't actually throw the seeds down, cast the invites out, there's no harvest. And the same applies to your family. If you don't invite them forward, show them the way, there's no chance of harvest. That's what the Bible says, train a child up in the way they should go. What are they saying? Sow the seed, prepare the soil, action it, water it, not too much, just enough, just enough. And then trust God with the rest. Do your part, but if we're not doing, if we're just having private prayers and no public action, what, what are we doing? I, I can't just envision a garden, I have to publicly go out into it physically and sow. In the same way we see Paul, he's writing letters, sowing. He's creating a culture, sowing. As Peter and John went out into the, into the local marketplace, as they preached the gospel, they're sowing. Public action, public power. Where did it come from? Private prayer. And so where does this all begin? But It begins in private devotion, private prayer prayer getting filled up and then when we have private prayer we're filled with power on the inside that comes out with public power I'm going to finish up right there let's go ahead and stand you know this kind of brings it all to a head when we think of what, what did Jesus actually do when he came to the cross you know when he came, you know what happened? And this is what I was talking about sometimes on the front end it's hard, but on the back end it's life-giving. Jesus was a seed that was sown for humanity. And listen, it was hard for him to sow himself. His flesh cried out, but it brought life. It brought life for the whole world. For anyone that would believe and just receive what he had done, they would receive eternity. They would receive new life in Christ. They would, they would, they would receive a new purpose. All the questions that they've ever had would come into a place of completeness and peace. And the turmoil of the soul would be put to bed so that life would flourish. And the challenge for us as Christians, now it's our turn to lay down our life to plant our lives as living sacrifices. Why? So life can come for our family, for the generations to come, for the people that we have influence over in Jesus' name. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now 
cannot wait to see you next week on the Orient Church podcast.